What's up, nerds? Welcome to the Superhero Show Show, the only show on the internet where we review every live-action television show based on a comic book or a comic book property. It's also the only show so nice we had to name it show twice. My name is Cassie, and I will be your host of this specific show show. I'm joined, as always, by a co-host so nice he might just become your vice. Ryan, how's it going? So good now. Thank you for that. Yeah, I just had to bump you up a little bit, you know? I want to pump your spirits. I appreciate and- that. Oh, yeah. Anytime. I'm always here for you. Just know that because uh, I don't know if you have anybody else here for you. Okay, fine. If you're here if you're here for me, then I would like you to uh, start the show and it'll just be okay. me and you and you have nothing else to uh, do or introduce. Nobody else. Just we're going to have me and you here. If you're here I'll for me, that. that's what I want. Those are th- that's the stipulations that you're going to put forward. Look, I just we always have to have our rivals, our nemeses. How come I can't just go through one podcast where I don't have my nemeses? My nemesis? Oh, no. I, you know, I don't know the difference between that. And that is why we actually do need a nemesis. So I'm also joined by a host that if you want him to be nice, you're going to have to pay him. Mike, how's it going? Pretty good. Pay me twice. I have lice. <laughs> I didn't know which way we were going to go. <laughs> but you had, was it lice the word that you had ready to rhyme? You were like, I don't know where yeah. she's going to go, but I'm here for lice. But I was in the middle of eating a cherry because I'm a professional, so I, I kind of tripped up. I'm on here that. for license, but Mike said every time he opened his first grade classroom door, screamed <laughs> yeah. at all the kids. I was a kid that got comedy <laughs> and just needed that itchy, itchy scalp. Also, were you the kid that just always had cherries? Why were you just eating cherries? Yeah, I ate cherries then, and I just would look at girls and be like, I "Bet you can't watch me choke on this," and then I would choke on the stem immediately. No, Brian, I didn't get. I got comedy, not sensuality. <laughs> Ryan, I think you were right. This should have been just me and you. I know. Can we go backwards? Yeah. Hey, Mike, we're when God decided that you and I would be each other's nemesis. Did you fight against that, or were you stoked that it was you know that like we were going to fight against each other for all of time? At least it meant somebody cared about me. God, even if it's in a negative way, somebody. <laughs> no, and by your mispronouncing, his name is Greg. That's what you're saying. <laughs> you guys, I've actually uh, I brought this up because I've mentioned show show. And I've gotten a lot of people writing writing and wanting to know. The people have to know, why do we have Show Show in our title twice? What is up with our name? Hold it up. makes no sense well, to nobody, apparently. Did somebody write this in? Or, Cassie, are you just afraid to ask? You're confused, and you yeah, want to blame is, it on other people. No, this is a very real writing in. I know how to explain it, but I want you guys to explain it. Give us a real first name, last name, and what city they're from. Bob Dylan from Nashville. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that tracks. Those are real names. That's a real city. Was the show called Show Show? That was him. That was it. That's, that was- that's dead balls. <laughs> yeah, that's a great Bob Dylan. You know what? I'll answer his question with my own question. Why you got to write a 17-minute song without any lyrics that go anywhere interesting, oh, Bob? Wow. Right. Wow. Coming after Bob. Uh, well, it's, of course, we watch superhero shows and we're a show that does that Mm -hmm. it's the most fucking logical thing in the world with a superhero show yeah i find people who do similar things to us but don't call it show show those are the weird ones that bob dylan should be questioning (laughs) so direct his inquiries elsewhere is what you're saying hey guys real quick that was actually not a recording of bob dylan reading his letter i that that was me uh was it really that good it was very good can you do jacob dylan asking the same question about the wildflowers (laughs) <laughs> okay that, that that that's like a cartoon elephant <laughs> i do like that character to bring to this show though i must throw it to him every once in a while the cartoon elephant that we have so, yeah. few people know that bob dylan's uh 
wife at the time where she got pregnant was a cartoon elephant and it created Jacob Dylan, who I've heard is a handsome gentleman, right? Yeah, he's just got that trunk. Yeah. Okay. What do, what does that trunk mean? Like elephants have big trunks, yeah. so he's half human, half elephant. Cool, cool, cool. And he can, like, that's why there's only one headlight because he had to smash half the car to be able to drive. Well, having that car, I would say, is just one of the perks of being a wallflower. Great. Excellent. And that's what you can expect from Ryan on this show. Great work. You're going to get more of that coming up when we talk about, for our main event, we're talking about the Flash, but before that, a quick stop at the bullpen. Alright guys, welcome back. We're here in the bullpen where we have watched another show this week. We've added a new show, a new cartoon, and since it's new, I'm going to pass it over to Ryan. Thank you, Cassie. Yeah, you're welcome. If you didn't know, there's an R-rated, animated Harley Quinn show that is currently halfway through its second season. You'd be forgiven, as its streaming platform, the DCU, has not exactly lit the world on fire. But as we near towards Stargirl's dual DCU and CW premieres, and HBO Max potentially removing the need for the DCU app completely, Harley may be in your home sooner than you think. It tells the story of a young, broken-hearted criminal who, with the help and support of Poison Ivy, decides to get over Joker, get a gang together, and get in the League of Doom. Taste Buds, I ask you this. 2020 has already given us the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn. Is there enough room in our hearts and our farts for the fantabulous emancipation of two Harley Quinn? There's room in my hearts, but I'm not sure about it in my farts. There's not. Well, farts are so hard to like read, you know? Like, what is there room for? Yeah. Cassie has very thin farts, <laughs> so it's hard to Brrr. fill it all. Got... Well, well known. This is my legacy. I got big fatty. So, yes, I, I was big fan of this character. I was one of the people who fucking loved Emancipation. Uh, not a big fan of Kaylee Kuko. Uh, did not like the Big Bang Theory, but do celebrate all of her Priceline commercials. Uh, <laughs> but she and the creative team... Uh, it, it, it's with her as the lead and then the guy behind the shit my dad says sitcom, I, not highest of hopes for this. And goddamn, so much room in my heart, so much room in my fart for everything this show delivers. I mean, we at least get the pilot episode where she is mostly dressed, Mike, like your tattoo. Yes. Which was great. I thought it was going to keep going. Unfortunately, she does turn into New 52. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. Margot Robbie, Harley Quinn at the end of the first episode. But, like, they give her, for being a weird, kind of fourth wall breaky, cartoonish cartoon, they gave her a very character-driven, like, oh, he gave me that outfit. Why would I ever fucking wear that again? I need to be me. And having this silly shit, very grounded, and her trying to be less codependent is a huge boon to the show. Cassie, what'd you think? I really I really enjoyed this one. Like, I didn't, I didn't come into it with any expectations, and I normally, like... As soon as it deals with like Joker and Harley Quinn, I tend to like not care about it because it like it's just so toxic to people who are normally into that. But this show like it really like it focused in on like how terrible that relationship is instead of like glorifying it, which is how like mm-hmm. people always treat this like relationship. So it was really like refreshing to see that. I really enjoyed that aspect. Yeah, man. Uh, I think we're supposed to give it up to the cursing and the violence and like, oh, that's crazy. It's animated and they're saying fuck a lot. <laughs> but I think based on all that toxicity, Cassie, that you just talked about, we have to give it up to Poison Ivy, who comes in at the end of the first and then is her, like, partner in crime and is this, like, uh, stable, uh, thoughtful, like, cares about Harley uh, friend that, you know, like, keeps her on the right track and Harley 
Harley the character is so all over the place that we need someone like Poison Ivy right. to like watch her be Harley, you know? And and like we see through Ivy's eyes why she loves what she loves about Ivy in a, in a later episode uh, in the first season she says you're a good person and Harley's like I kill people she's like yeah yeah you're a bad guy but you're a good person and that's so important to see that through Ivy but also that is their mainstay they don't try to soften Ivy at all at this point even before Disney bought Fox they have softened the character of Deadpool so much to make him a hero these are fucking bad people her murder civilians left and right in every episode but. Ivy doesn't want her to stop killing people. Ivy is also a terrorist, although she thinks that she's a hero in her own she's way. She's an eco-terrorist. Eco-terrorist, okay. yeah. Um, but yeah, what Ivy wants is not for her to be a good guy, but like to have agency, to make your own decisions, right. to not rely on these relationships that you keep searching for because you think that's going to make you complete. And, and what's very smart about this goofy-ass show is Ivy is in a relationship that grows throughout the first season that's not the best and is hiding it so you can both really believe and help your friends with good advice while you're also doing bad things like date kite man oh yeah no no i I definitely know where she's coming from on that one (laughs) i think that's like one of my favorite aspects of this is their like relationship because it is like it's very real like a real life relationship between two girls who are very supportive of each other but in this insane world where like you get this aspect of like her tr- telling her like you know go murder but don't murder a child but then also like wear that outfit for you like this very like precious girl mm-hmm. thing and then also in the super villain world and and like I, I think a core of the show is not just their friendship but it is unabashedly unashamedly feminist even while they're scantily clad super villains mm-hmm. and I bet some shitty fanboys roll their eyes at it but like in the first episode Joker says women aren't funny and that's one of the things that sets Harley off uh-huh. uh, Dr. Psycho calls Wonder Woman a cunt and it turns everybody against him <laughs> uh, and then I think in the third episode there's a news Chiron and it says man says terrible thing again we'll probably get third chance. Like there is no, everybody knows where this show is coming from is guys kind of suck and get it really easy. And women have to work their balls off. Yeah. And I think it's important like when it, to be empowered as a female is to make your own decisions and then use dudes, you know, like don't have them make, help you make your decisions, but treat them for the fucking, uh, essentially horses that they are. Tell them to go do, go over there and do your bidding. But don't like look up to them or you know have your heart be being able to like be broken by them that's not good so let's uh get to the other part that this show is doing it's not just a dc show focused on women which fanboys don't like but it's also a dc show that does is not precious about dc properties and i feel like as time goes on marvel is getting more precious like you can't talk shit on everything anything we do it's all amazing and DC is like, we sort of know that it's crazy that we have a character named Kite Man or King Shark. Right. What do you, what do you guys think about the tongue-in-cheek DC-ness of the show? I think that part of being a fan is talking shit on the things you love and talking about how silly it is. And so having the show do it, where like, it is, Bane is a massive character who we've told has broken the bat, but the comics since then have misused him so well. So for the show to poke fun that he's this giant guy that anybody else can bully is great. Sad Sad Sag Bane is one of the best things this show has. That's what it's really cool to see them like just like uh, that's how I kind of like if like my friends dunk on me, that's how I know to trust them. So if a show dunks on their own characters, I trust that show now. But still like dunk with love, right? Like it, right. you can't come in and like hate DC yeah. and then write these scripts because we're all going to know. Well, yeah, just the, the 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 deep bench they have of 
characters and locations in every era of DC, you don't know that much if you hate it. Like, right, that, it yeah. mixes everything from the Super Friends to modern movies and blends it. And also, that's probably my favorite thing about this show. My wife is watching and enjoying it, not caring that it's not an origin story. They're not giving, they're not explaining who anybody is. You better be the nerdiest fucking nerd to understand what all of this is. <laughs> but it's a tight, character-driven show that's very funny. So it's like you get it or you don't, and you'll be fine anyway. They're not tackling like. Uh this is all pretty well-worn territory, sort of like mm-hmm. uh, our issues with Deadpool, Mike, where it wasn't really doing anything that revolutionary. There's an episode where uh, Harley gets the gang together. Um, Harley hires a real estate agent to get like a new villain headquarters. I've seen right. this made fun of on other things before, but did Harley Quinn like breathe any new life into jokes like this? Yeah, I, I think the jokes and then having people like Ron Funches and Alan Tudyk be your ensemble cast like they are taking these characters in fun ways and the, the, i've never seen clayface be this version of clayface who's just a failed actor who wants to ham it up all the time and just wants approval so that's why he'll be a bad guy right that's what i was really like i was gonna ask about clayface because i don't know much of clayface and like other ones because he's not like from what i've seen they've never really put him in there and they made him just the dorkiest theater kid and i was so into uh-huh. it i was like yeah yeah i'm into this yeah, he has, he's got one line, or he's, yeah, dialogue where he's like asked to run lines, and he's like, "Marathoners run, actors feel the soul." <laughs> and then a running bit is every time he does pretend to be anybody, he just gives them like, "And my father <laughs> left when they were like, he can't just do the job they want him to do. He always has to give a tragic backstory." That's the thing is that like I get turned off pretty quickly by the cheap and easy jokes, and Harley mm-hmm. Quinn has them in spades. Like sure. it's nonstop. In order to have as many jokes per minute that a show like Harley Quinn does, you sort of have to. But definitely mixed within there are like really thoughtful, you know, running gags and character moments and mm-hmm. uh, like spotlights on comic books that like make me feel like this writer's team is definitely down for the easy gag, but is also thinking about this way more than other shows. Yeah, a huge one is, uh, so Harley for a while wants a nemesis and she wants it to be somebody important. And Damien... Robin three, which I really had to explain to my wife who had no idea. She's like, is he his son? Uh, Isn't it four? The fact is he four? Yeah, now? it's four. Uh, Nerd check. Dick Jason. Uh, yep. He's four. Uh, so his like, like, no, no, no. And then finding out that he's a piece of shit. And he's like, I'm just a sweet little cookie. <laughs> like all of them that like that. All these people, sweet potato, yes, that is the fucking word they used. Uh, that all these people are human, so they have different motivations. And his is half, he probably wants to fight with a scantily clad woman, but he also gets off on being a dickhead who everybody thinks is a hero. And they don't hang a lantern on that, it just like is woven in there. Uh, yeah, this show is down to um, shit on children. And let me tell you what I really <laughs> loved about this show. Because in that first episode, there's a moment where the kid is trying to visit his dad, Calendar Man, and he brings a cactus. And then the guards knock that cactus out of his hand and call him like a dumb idiot. And this is why your dad doesn't remember your birthday. All shows should take note of this. <laughs> oh, man. Like, that really, that might be when I fell in love with the show because. You can say the F word and you can like uh, break people's legs open and we can see the bone. But for someone to just tell a little kid, this is why people don't love you. Like that's what I'm looking for in my entertainment. And and I think it's the secondary, uh, the, the bar mitzvah episode where there's a huge, the, the plot point that turns on Harley's favor is making fun of the kid for never finger banging a woman. Like, and she says finger blast so many times in a minute long monologue. Uh, yeah, I've never thought about in all of these things from, you know, like the most G-rated to Deadpool. Nobody's ever talked about penetrating a comic book character like uh-huh. this show does. 
And it's Harley and Ivy using these 13-year-old boys' sexuality against them. It's super fucking funny. Real quick, let's go over the performances that you guys really uh, were attached to. Whose voice is killing it in this show? Cassie, let's start with you. Uh, for me, I don't know how much... Like I watched a couple episodes, but uh, the Riddler in this one loved this Riddler. Because is it the uh, Dean from Community? Uh-huh. Yeah, it sounded like it. Yeah. yeah, it was like perfect for that. I was so excited as soon as I heard his voice. I don't know how much he'll play in the whole thing, but a little side character. I like him. I thought the show got a huge boost by the introduction of King Shark. Um, yes. And just like him just trying to be a modern shark in a modern world by, <laughs> by Ron Funches was amazing. Mike, who'd you like? Yeah, Ron Funches is is great, and Alan Tudyk put him in fucking everything. But I I am surprised like how well Kelly Kuko's holding it down because I know her from one real thing and didn't think she could do much. But she is. It feels like she you can see her shaking off the shackles that is Big Bang Theory. And her and Lake Bell will sometimes fall into that like pattern of we're not telling jokes, we're just talking quickly with each other. Yeah. Her and Ivy. Uh, but most of the time, they are. I I would be shocked, even though I'm sure it is the case that they recorded this separately. You know, because right. of their. It feels so lived in and rhythmic. Yeah. Uh, also, like I I don't have who in front of me it is, but Kite Man to be like, okay, you're a douche of a joke character. Whoever is this injects a lot of like realness into this guy. He's pathetic, but you kind of root for him. <laughs> Do you know what, dude? Same thing with Diedrich Bader from the Drew Carey show as uh-huh. Batman because. We really only get two Batmen now. It's the uh, Christopher Nolan, like, or making fun of that. And this is a Batman who is, like, he's got a gruff voice. Diedrich Bader has an amazing voice. But also, uh, it's not that clowny. It's you, You can feel the person that he actually is. And that's what I love is calling out what a piece of shit Batman is. You're a bad friend. You're a bad dad. And all the people in the show call him out. Oh, Christopher Maloney. Uh, as Jim Gordon, like a cop who is oh, bad yes. at being a cop because of the world he has to live in. I've never seen Gordon so on the edge as he really would be, and it's fucking great. Such a broken man just playing with the bat light. Like, that was everything, yeah. <laughs> and if you have, if you're going to write a broken man character, you go get Christopher fucking Maloney. <laughs> yeah, you do. The king of broken men. Uh, all right, guys, final words. Uh, we just sort of watched this on a lark because we don't have enough to watch. This is a fucking cartoon about Harley Quinn on the DC streaming service. What did we think overall? Mike, let's start with you. Uh, I'm eight in currently. I think we were supposed to watch two or four. Uh, <laughs> not three. And not never three. Uh, it's almost surprising it took me this long to watch it. And now, yeah, I'm going to fucking swallow as much as I can as fast as possible. Isn't that weird? We're going to watch it. But like nobody is making us. Nobody. What will the know. fuck? Just for Cassie, what do you think? Uh, yeah, like oh, you said everything you said that the show like it's on the DC universe. All of this like that would be it's all negatives against it when I hear it. But then I actually watched it and I loved it. So definitely give it a shot. Yeah, I do love how they like use the curse words and the violence to bring you in, but then don't rely on that for the entire time. Like I really want to find out what happens to these characters. Mm-hmm. I did not see that coming. Um, Cassie, thank you so much for letting us watch that. I appreciate it. Oh, do you anytime. want the Do you want the throne back? Yeah, I would. I would enjoy the throne. Like I gave you that gift, and now I would like this gift of being able to host again. So thank you. Uh, coming up next, you guys, we're gonna go into our main event, The Flash.
on this week's episode of The Flash, the leader of the black hole has put a hit out on Joe and the enigmatic being known as Ragdoll is all about it. Barry is struggling to protect him with limited powers, so Joe eventually agrees to go into witness protection, but does so before Iris can say goodbye. With emotions at a high, Iris tells Barry to just leave, get out, because it's the end of her and him, leaving Barry drained both of love and that run juice. So taste friends, I ask you this. Iris sure was savage in this episode, huh? Yeah, I, I guess that it's not about... Because she's, she's not Iris, right? There's like a yeah. mirror character. Yeah, I was going to say, do you guys know what's going on in this season of The Flash right now? <laughs> I don't, and who cares? Uh, but it doesn't feel like she's like villainous or devious as much as she's like mean and a jerk. And that's been a slit like... One, when it was first mirror Iris, she was like more sensual than real Iris had ever been. And you're like, Hello. oh man, go Barry. <laughs> and then you know they did stuff that him and Iris had never done. And then since then, she's also... what what I, I'm... Again, on record, really enjoying this season. Uh, she said some real stuff that real Iris believes about Barry and his selfishness, but it feels like a cop-out because Iris wasn't the one to say it. This, I feel like she went too ham, but the last couple episodes, she's just like more like, here's how you don't prioritize our fucking marriage ever. And you're like, yeah, that is true. And But this is, uh, you protected my dad, but not really, so get out of here. And you're like, oh, you, want, you were sick of playing Iris and you were ready for him to know you're a villain. That's what, because she hit like... What she said at the end there, I'm sorry, I'm jumping straight to the end like a great host would do, but uh, at the end, she like, when she tells him to like leave, she was, says like, you know, now we both don't have parents. Like that <laughs> yes. is an insane <laughs> thing to say. Like, no, your situations are completely different. But then she followed it up with like, you always prioritize like work over me and all this stuff. And I was like, wait, is this real? Like, is she really trying to be serious with this, with that insane statement? I mean, it sounded like she was on her period so much that I was like, is there two ragdolls? In this episode, oh, is what I is what I was thinking. But I I do appreciate that when you have a villain who you know you have to trick or like do something with the hero. Most villains are like, oh, what should I do? What should I do? I'm gonna kill him. And then she's like, oh, I'm just gonna be the meanest wife I possibly can. And that's so much more effective. And because one of the things that's been going on is Barry, uh, because of the speed force shit that happened in Crisis. Uh, it has a finite amount of speed left. And so he's trying to, that's his little Cisco made on the watch of that tracks that. And they've learned that if he gets upset, his body internally starts vibrating and uses it. And so then she's like, Oh, I can bully him into draining him of speed if I can't get him to run across town. Uh, and so that's been ramping up over the last couple episodes before this one of her yeah, going fucking ham. Is he also not as fast as he used to be? Yeah. Cause he's also not as coordinated. Uh, when he was running, like the one time in this episode, trying to get like save Joe from a bomb, um, instead of like lightning, it was like tiny little lighter sparks. Uh-huh. And, and then he did that. He did that run thing that I do, where like every three steps you almost fall over, but don't, and then have to like oh. get yourself back to going. And, and are you? He's in the real world. He's just like up against the wall, like he completely fell and ate shit into the wall. Yeah. Like, okay. <laughs> if you guys ever have seen me run from uh, home plate to first base, it is. Uh, it takes twenty minutes, and it is. You can just play the Benny Hill theme song in the background. <laughs> just limbs akimbo. <laughs> Joe, uh, when he was running to save Joe, Joe undid the bomb himself because he's a goddamn cop. Uh, and then stood just very dramatically. Okay, this yes. is my favorite mode of just like, I'm going to stare in the window, watch my son not be able to run well anymore, and then just tell him how fucked up this all is. Every single time something like that happens, I always think that the character is there just on their phone, and then they're like, <laughs> oh, Barry's coming, and then put the phone away, and then look out the window. So like, you look so dramatic. 
that's he 100% knew like I was straight up I was like Joe has turned into a dramatic little boy in this one because he like I don't even think it's a window it looked like just a glass that was leading to the hallway but yet he was still like I'm gonna roll up my sleeves and stare out this window just so he knows Joe wrote window on a piece of paper and like taped it to the wall (laughs) this is dramatic just imagine Barry god damn it Mike you've been following the show closer than we have um have you heard any news about the actor that plays Joe going away or anything because the way that he just like he has to go into uh what do you call it witness Witness protection protection. um until they beat the bad guy which will probably be very soon but the way they did the end of the show was like is do you know if he like walked off the show i know he was off a season or two maybe longer at this point he was he missed a lot of the season because he had jesse helmart had real health problems and then came back and it was a very warm welcoming back so i don't know maybe he they're kicking up again or I don't know. Witness protection seems like he's coming back. Like he's got a baby and a wife to come back to. But it did. I'm with you because it did seem like a kind of an excuse. Because like I don't know what they think witness protection can do that like all these metahumans and stuff like can't do. Like because I like yeah. it's just witness protection program. Like, well, it's the, I, I think the the whole point isn't to kill Joe. It's to get rid of him because Daniel Singh, who was the police captain, who Joe is now, is now the commissioner and and. We, we're finding this is the Flash's secret war. Every episode, we find out a different character the Mirror People have replaced, and the the mechanics of them haven't really been explored yet. But Daniel uh, is a Mirror person, so if he wanted to kill Joe, he could still do it in witness protection. I think it's because Joe is tracking down and finding the corruption in between the connections between Julian McCullough and all of the like CCPD and different people who are high up in the government. And everybody else is like, well, that's not by the book. You can't really be doing this. We don't have real evidence. And so they're like, well, we could just get rid of Joe for a while and then we'll chill out. I see. That makes sense. For me, it was like, it was mostly the music. Like they used He's Going Away Forever music in that scene (laughs) in an episode that had a lot of weird music choices because in the beginning, uh, his brakes get cut or like ragdolls like in his car. And the music's like, It went to a straight punk song. Like, as soon as he, like, double-tapped his brakes, it was, like, the kick drum. And I was like, holy shit, they did this. (laughs) It was out of nowhere. Like, it was peaceful music until those brakes were gone. And it was the most intense punk song. Is there a punk rock band full of ragdolls that were also in the car? Just rocking out the entire time? Raggy and the Ragdolls is what they're called. (laughs) If there was any villain to have, like, a whole band with him, it would be Ragdoll. That dude is fucked up. Yeah. I got to say, despite not knowing all of the storylines and how they built up i did there was a tension here that it's just like between the police corruption and the mere people and not knowing who is who like they really seem fucked and me not knowing just like barry doesn't know who he's talking to at any given point is a cool idea because you can't beat that with you know fists or powers it's just like i trust you a little and what's dope is barry doesn't they all know they're going against mccullough uh the rich like frat prick who is always that version of a character and by the way you cannot have that actor be mccullough and then also ralph dibney in the same episode that those two performances cannot be in the same yeah (laughs) sorry keep going uh what they don't know is his wife he fucked her over and she's been trapped in the mirror for seven years iris is trapped in the mirror real iris is trapped now doesn't know she is evil like there are several factions going on and nobody knows about the mirror people yet and McCullough taught me, if ever I go evil and put my wife in a mirror, uh, exactly how to handle it. Because he says to her, this is the greatest performance of the week by far. 
Threats are for real people, Eva, not phantoms. <laughs> Just the brattiest little comeback that really means nothing. And then elbows the mirror, which is, that is the easy way to defeat people inside of a mirror. Just yeah. elbow yeah. it. Just elbow it. So they have to stare at you five times from shatters. The most fucked up about this guy, Nizabrat, is he did threaten to kill Joe's baby. Like he yes. straight up, he's oh. just like, I hate to hurt that six month year old you got. <laughs> like Harley Quinn wouldn't even do that. What are you doing, man? Yeah. But he did say he would hate to do it. He didn't say like, I would love to do it. That's true. <laughs> it would be my absolute delight. Please give me that baby. <laughs> Please. How, how go, switching over to the less serious is Cisco and Ralph are hunting down Sue. Uh, right now, Dearborn, I believe. She's not Sue Dibney yet. Uh, she's a cat burglar. How did their little wacky side plot go for you guys? I'm a big fan of Sue. Yeah, the actress, the performance. Sorry. I am. Excuse me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I appreciate you yes. making that. <laughs> I appreciate you making that noise, Mike. So I did not have to. Um, but yeah, like I like how um, there's a little uh, back and forth between her and Cisco because Cisco can't just he can't not be flirty and funny. But uh, the her and Ralph stuff where. Uh, that a therapist or somebody says like, "Are you guys married?" And they're like, "No, you gross." Like that's where their relationship is at. Is like they hate each other so much they might be in love. Yeah, very screwball comedy style. That's what I didn't really like that because we were first introduced to uh, in the episode to uh, to Ralph with Cisco and their interaction. Like I d- wasn't feeling it. Like every every line they said felt like I f- could feel the writing like none of it's they didn't seem to play well off each other it's Abbott and Abbott and Sue <laughs> yeah it's straight up like like all their lines like him straight up with like I need to find somebody who spoke bandwidth and binary yeah and like all that I was like okay all right show yeah you definitely if you're gonna have a Cisco or a Ralph then you need a Barry or a Joe to be with them right and these yeah. two banter machines I don't know if they work great together the, the only one, and I de- if it's dangerous for this kind of show to do it, is Ralph is trying to describe what he needs Cisco to hack, and Cisco's like, I don't think you know how hacking works. Uh, <laughs> but neither none of these shows we watch do either, so Ralph is not far off of what we're shown in the show. The only show that knows how hacking works is a movie, and it's called Hackers, and that yeah. is exactly how it still goes down. When you break down into a, some sort of software, it looks like a video game, and you fight skeletons, and the skeletons are pieces of code. I did relate to Cisco in this episode more than I ever have because he did the thing that I always see people not do, which is t- like see the rubber face mask on the ground and almost vomit because everybody's yeah. like, "Oh, <laughs> this was on somebody else's face and it's just a weird mask, like uh, it's just a skin without skull." No, that's fucking disgusting. Yeah. I wouldn't even touch it. But then he Cisco'd it and he still ate the waffle afterwards. Of like, course, was, yeah, we were there and then had to eat that waffle. I think I somebody else's waffle say. too. Yeah, yeah, he pulled up somebody else's plate. I thought that's what you were going to say you liked is his obsession with waffles because I know how you feel about waffles, Ryan. Yeah, no, they're good. They're the pancakes of the future. <laughs> that was the most heartfelt thing I've ever heard you say on this podcast. <laughs> they're good. They're so good. So, Mike, you have been in the show. So does their, like, their relationship and everything, does it seem like true to you or has something changed, do you feel? Which like, day? With Cisco. With Cisco. Like Cisco to me seems off. I used to really enjoy him, but he's he seems a little off to me. I we've never really liked him here at this show, uh, mm. but he's been gone for a while in show universe, and so I do think the awkwardness is kind of built in because he apologizes to Ralph for not being there for the last year to help him because he's been traveling the world to find things to to figure out what crisis changed. I think is his reason. Um, I'm sure we'll find out he was in a straight to DVD movie, and that's why the actor left for a while. Uh, <laughs> 
but yeah, it, it's and it is they truly do hold the same role. And you guys didn't even meet Chester P. Runk, who also is a. Third I'm sorry. Person. What did you just say? There's there's a new guy on Team Flash called Tester P. Runk, and he also is one of them. So I I'm wondering if maybe Cisco's leaving and this guy is going to fully take that role. That but his I think it was Chester P. Runk, and it's the best. Does he have powers other than? He, giving yourself the greatest names of all time. When he falls asleep, stuff happens. I actually didn't meet him in the, when he was introduced. So he just it, has wet dreams? Yeah, he has wet dreams. And when he shows up and tries to help, everyone's like, you're not on the fucking team, Chester. What are you doing? <laughs> well, yeah, what's, you can't. You got to say his full name. If he's just Chester, he's creepy. Yes. But if he's <laughs> all that, great. I can uh, have him on a team. Yeah, no, he's creepy, but instead talks like, hello, I'm Chester P. Rock, and I'm here to inspect your underwear. Um, in, uh, I know I'm like, this is dangerous because, Mike, I don't want to hear that noise that you made when we started talking about uh, Sue Dearborn, but also no Danielle Panabaker. Where was Caitlin in this episode? Yeah, I think they, Team Flash is like 12 people deep right now, so some people just won't be there for a while. Uh, and there's some internet rumors and you don't know that maybe uh killer frost is going to show up on legends of tomorrow so she has something to do that would be awesome say? yeah it'd be great for her it'd be great for us real quick i do we i know we have to get out of here but like this is my first experience with ragdoll and i gotta say for a cheesy flash villain is this one of those guys who like is this his first time or does he pop up no, a lot? he's shown up at least once before and I like all the characters on the show are skeeved out by him. Yeah, so was he I. He has Ralph's powers, but he uses them so creepy. Yeah, put a mask on. First of all, Ralph, it's coronavirus, so you should be wearing something. Uh, second of all, the combination of everything, the smart way to use the powers, the mask instead of like the constantly mugging Jim Carrey face, I thought it was very effective. Yes. And like they made him like he has creepy movements and he just looks creepy, but then they also like we found out he didn't wasn't even like answering this call to like murder joe for the money like he wasn't getting money it was just because he wanted to like feel pain or something because his mom died i was like holy hell this guy they couldn't have made him more creepy until then they're like let's give him a little bit of talking and that's i think the name of this episode is so long and good night which is a line from a my chemical yeah, romance it's, song. yeah it's my chemical romance <laughs> so i think I it's all supposed to be life. very emo which he he fits that so mike uh overall how would you say this episode stacks up to the rest of the season so far it's it's not as bad as Flash used to be, but the, the the episodes where I was freaking out, I would not have freaked out about this episode, but I'm still delighted. I'm going to keep going. All right. Well, if you want to give it a shot, it's on Tuesdays on The CW. And next up, The Pull List. We're here for The Pull List. Our first show to start it off is going to be Katie Keene. On this week's episode of Katie Keene, Katie takes over her boss's position after Miss Lacey herself place some troubling accusations against said boss. Pepper is teaming up with our boy Kevin from Riverdale to blackmail a sleazy director, resulting in them getting $70,000 and Pepper still releasing the blackmail video anyways. Taste Buds, I ask you this. Do we just have to accept that no matter what show he is on, Kevin will never get his moment? So the literal actor was on this show from Riverdale? He came over. He had to do a live reading of his play is why he came over to the Big Apple. And so he's still just like, hey, I'll, I'll be second banana then yeah. over here too. Straight up. Well, I guess if you're second banana on several shows, that starts to add up to two and a half bananas. <laughs> it's starting to look up for him. But it was like, you know I'm ball, you know I love Pepper. And this is a move that I normally like would love to release that video anyways. It's just like a baller move. But I do feel like in this moment, not great. Because it is involving Kevin and it should have been like Kevin's choice. But she was like, you know what? 
Let's just release this bad boy. Oh, Pepper doesn't care about anybody else's choice or feelings or what's right or wrong. You blackmail wrong even. You're gross. I fucking hate Pepper. (laughs) Based on... Uh, Cassie, based on your description, it feels like uh, Pepper's an asshole, but I got to say that is in tune with literally every other time you've talked about Pepper, so I guess it makes sense. I think Cassie just wants to be a bigger asshole in life, so (laughs) Pepper's like her aspiration. I'm trying to take notes, and it hasn't been working so well so far, but you guys, I got blackmail videos. I'm ready to release these. On us? On everybody. Don't even worry. You specifically, (laughs) I've got multiple on you guys, but... Mike, is there a different pop culture asshole that you would like her to... Take after, like I'm thinking Anton Chigurh. If Cassie was Anton more Chigurh, like that, it'd be that better. Would be interesting. Maybe uh, Matthew Lillard and Scream. <laughs> I like Mike has so much disdain for Pepper. It was just like that would be interesting. I would enjoy that at least. You have made. I'm so glad you hate Pepper so much. I will continue to love her even more now. She sucks. <laughs> also, I guess like I'm a little. Katie Keene is it in the future of Riverdale or is it simultaneous? And Josie was just always a couple grades ahead of them. I think it's simultaneous because now he was here to read, do a live reading of his play. So it's got to be at the same time. Okay, so Josie was just like a senior fucking freshman because she's like 21 and they're all drinking. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. I, I should think about that kind of stuff too much. That's too much thinking for Katie Keene and Riverdale. If you want to watch Katie Keene, it is on Thursdays on The CW. Our next show of the week is Vagrant Queen. On this week's episode of Vagrant Queen, Alita and the gang are finally about to run into the villain, but not before Isaac gets captured. Despite everyone screaming at Alita to leave his ass behind, she decides that they are all on the team, that they are all family, and that it's time to stop doing shit the way her mother did. Also... Alita and Amei might have something brewing romantically between them. Unfortunately, the show is too subtle for us to be able to know for sure. Taste Buds, I ask you this. Without the classic bickering between the two, will they, won't they leads? What is keeping Sammé and Delida from jumping directly into a relationship? I think just that, that TV, uh, TV trope where you just got to wait it out. It depends on each episode, like each series, if they do like multiple seasons, if it's just one season. But you can't just have these two with the will they, won't they, and like immediately resolve that. You got to play that out. They don't antagonize each other. And then also there's no other romantic leads. Like Alita's not into Isaac. Mm-hmm. It's just the two of them who are in love. And yet we're going to have to watch this for like three seasons before they kiss. <laughs> well, maybe in the future, in another galaxy, not yours. Uh, everybody <laughs> Did they make that clear? On- lesbians and so they don't they don't want to break galaxy rules or standards but they did also you said it was very subtle and they had that moment where like they after the fight they end up in like pushed up against a wall next to each other and did the whole like 30 seconds on that moment just that perfect moment where it was like they have to the show knows what it is 100 it's like we're full cheesy let's also put them in this situation very high-tech cgi probably real laser beams firing right next to their heads Mm -hmm. And they catch each other, and they're like, <gasps> and then they stare for 45 seconds. <laughs> it was a real moment. They just needed to fill time. <laughs> they're like, oh, wait, we turned to this short script. But, like, all the cheesy moments, like, there was, like, the cheesy moments that worked for me in this episode that were just felt very true to the sci-fi show is straight up the fact that, like, those hard Hardarian sacks or whatever, those, like, pink balls were that would explode, were straight up just a uh-huh. toy that you get from, like, the arcade, and they put a glowing oh, yeah. on it and post. Like, that was beautiful. And then, like, also, just that whole scene where they get caught by just a Roomba, just a Roomba painted red going down a hall, and that is what, like, ruined their whole plan. (laughs) I love this show so much. I swear to God, it's a Roomba with, like, a little dome on top, and Isaac kicks 
the Roomba and the dome flies up and there's nothing about that that looked like it was planned. It clearly broke when he kicked it and then flew apart. It had to be a one take scene because that's all they had. They had one Roomba and he was like, I'm going to kick it. (laughs) I'm going to kick that Roomba. Which is, it's my natural instinct when I see a Roomba, right? Like, yeah, robots are evil. I don't trust even the helpful ones, quote unquote. I love not vacuuming things, but then also there's just a robot now in my house who claims to be doing my mm-hmm. bidding, but is probably also secretly plotting against me. I'm going to kick it. <laughs> and he straight up has, he literally has all dirt on you. He has all your dirt. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> all right, Ryan, where do you think, so um, the guy, Hath, who was training Alita back on Batman, uh-huh. do, where are you on the if we can trust him or not. He has butthole face. Not that his face looks like a butthole, like an anus, but he has got that, uh, the Matthew Glaive face, Mike, the guy from, uh, Gulia from the wedding singer. Oh yes. He's got, uh, just a face where you're always going to be the dickhead in whatever you're in. But I gotta say, despite his handsomeness, I trust him. The same thing that you guys think about me. Like when he says, um, this is sort of who I just thought you were. Like you are making stupid decisions, but they are Alita decisions, and I I understand where you're coming from. I sort of buy it. Am I wrong? Am I going to be proven wrong? I think you're wrong. I think you're very wrong. Specifically because anybody who says like when they had that moment in the spaceship and he was like, "I've been with you like your whole life. I've seen you grow up." Like there is a large portion of her life that he was not there. Like nobody that you could trust would say that. Like that's not true. Yeah, I think the key is that if you want your audience or your characters to trust somebody, don't hire a, a white male eight. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they have to be a nine or a ten or anything other than a white male. But if you're a white male eight, you're fucking dirty, oh, bro. You are a secret villain. You're not just a fine villain. We're a villain we're going to hate. But you fucking rat fink. <laughs> Coming in hard with that opinion. <laughs> Support that, Mike. We did get the whole moment where uh, this crew did decide that, like, they 100% are a crew. Because Isaac didn't betray Alita. And then Amei was like, no matter what, I'm going to help you. And Alita was like, I'm going back for him. And I'm glad that we do have this full crew together. And like, it's official now. Like, and now we just get to see them. And we don't have to worry about them like breaking off. This is the stuff that like good shows are made of. People think it's like cool effects or good fights. But in the fourth episode, I believe that they are tight like a crew. Mm-hmm. You know, and that is that's what we need more than anything is that they were not put forced together because of like the government or something, um, or whatever situation they're in. We're in the fourth episode, and now I will sort of buy however many episodes are left because of an episode like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, do you have a moment of the week, Ryan? <laughs> so, despite everything I just said, uh, my moment of the week is where Isaac is coming down the hall, probably after kicking a Roomba to death, <laughs> and falls down a hole. And we all watch him fall down one story. Like he he goes from he's on level thirteen and he goes to level twelve, and they all know that and they're all like, no, he lands and he's totally fine. Everybody's like, we gotta leave him behind. We gotta leave him behind. He is right the fuck there. Like you can reach down and pick him up, but everyone is just like destitute. Like there's nothing we can do now. And that's that's such vagrant queen shit. Like don't have him fall down a giant hole. You know, that goes to nowhere and then have him come back to life. One story. He (laughs) fell down to the floor. And they made it so dramatic. Like, straight up how Hath delivers that line. He's like, no, we gotta leave him behind. He's gone. (laughs) And you just got to him and it's literally a floor down that he barely... Sure, we can still see him and hear him. But no, we have to go. (laughs) simply must leave him. Uh, My moment of the week, if... The first one is obviously him kicking that Roomba because it just flew so beautifully. But also there's a moment when they're down in one of the halls trying to escape and they run into the accounting department and straight up both accountants have a little vape 
both of them are out there just vaping on their vape break and i love that that even in the space world they're out there vaping guys go back and watch that isaac kick because when he ruins that roomba you can see on the top of the roomba like the little dome flies off and you can see where like the director's mom super glued the dome on top and you can see the remnants of super glue on the roomba it's a beautiful show you should watch it it is on fridays on sci-fi next show of the week legends of tomorrow this week on Legends of Tomorrow, Sarah, Constantine, and Charlie find themselves in British Columbia for another piece of the loom. Zarya's been having trouble feeling like herself with visions of past her and waking up next to Nate, so Bayrod suggests she gets high and meditates. Taste buds, I ask you this. With the fake-out deaths of Charlie, Sarah, and Constantine, was Bayrod's actual death impactful or did it fizzle? I mean, we haven't spent that much time with him. I've always thought that he was going to go soon because I, I keep thinking that normal Zari is going to come back and that's going to mean mm-hmm. no more Bayrod. Um, but yeah, like all of the fake outs plus the, like the least known character, it didn't really have an effect. They did, yeah. they did do the thing where when Zari finds out that her brother is dead, she starts to cry and then they cut all the sound out. Right. And that is so helpful for the actor and the audience. It's like, I bet if we could hear this, it'd be so devastating. Oh, helpful because... It would be too devastating if we could hear it. I thought you were saying, like, there's very good grief on TV, so cut it, and then we can fill it in with our own instead of having to hear her fake cry. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, is that if we had to listen to her fake cry, we'd be like, I can, that's that's not that good. But if you right. cut the sound out, that's some very good grief. The new Charlie yeah. Brown talk show that I think is coming <laughs> out this fall. Very good grief. So are you? Do, have you been enjoying Barrett, or you just always knew he was living on Barrett time? I mean, like, not only is he sort of like a uh, Zari fill-in, but also he was also a Ray fill-in. So Nate right. could have somebody to, like, give high fives to. Bro out with? Yeah. So it, it, it really didn't mean that much. I didn't think any of the, the three fake-out deaths were actually dead. And then I, when he died, it was whatever. Right. This does, t- does it... Kind of like, is that bad show logic? Like, you can't have three fake out deaths and have it actually work this time. Like, the god fucked up three times before this? I think you can have three fake outs and then no actuals. I think that's kind yes. of funny. But, uh, yeah, it they picked the worst character to have actually die as far as, like, impact and then the fake outs before. Uh, every week that this show is on, I think about texting Cassie, what the fuck are you doing? Start watching this. I know, I'm really messing like, up. What, that's like, why would you host this show and not watch Legends of Tomorrow? And I'm, I'm sort of glad I didn't do it this week. Although, it was a bit of a crossover episode, Mike. Yes. We got to see the supernatural car, which I've been told by this show is the third main character of baby? that show, I guess. You got to see they, Baby? They couldn't. Oh, are you a supernatural fan? I'm a Th- that's why we should have texted Cassie, yeah. <laughs> I'm a recovering supernatural fan. That would have been. Yeah, the internet was like, get ready for that crossover. Everybody's wanted. One, I didn't realize people really wanted Legends of Tomorrow and Supernatural crossover. And two, it was just they saw an abandoned car in the middle of the forest and it was in the show Supernatural is just show and the evil, the big bad killed the crew filming Supernatural. <laughs> yeah, so just so we're clear, this is why ultimately, Cassie, I didn't text you, is that it's the, the, the two hot brothers, like all of the abs, that the reason that people watch the show, they weren't on... They didn't meet the Supernatural characters. They were on the set of Supernatural, and that's a very <laughs> yeah. different thing. They were on like yeah. the CW uh, tram ride at the CW amusement park <laughs> and then stopped off at the Supernatural. That might be my best, like my favorite crossover thing ever. Like Just to be like, you know what? We're on their set. That is so good. That is very Legends. I kind of am bummed that I didn't watch it now. 
Uh, another very Legends moment is, so Zari is starting to have flashbacks of when she was other Zari, like Zari we knew. And normally it's a, an important moment or a romantic moment or like a character grinding moment. And her, she just flashed to her eating donuts and or being very good at video games. Yeah, or video games. That was it. <laughs> and so when like it all comes together and now this Zari and old Zari are really freaking out, it's because new Zari wins at Mortal Kombat. And she's like, what the hell? What happened? It's not, I don't know how to play this. It's not like seeing a picture of her other parents or these parents or something monumental. It's uh, like perfect game of Mortal Kombat with fatality. And then she knows something is up. Something real is happening. Oh, and then all of her superpowers shoot out of her hands. So I guess that's part yeah, of it too. That's part of it. How did you feel with the Zari v. Zari scene in, in the other world? I thought it was okay. Is that our old Zari? Because it just feels like yeah. an old Zari. Like she had all the old person makeup on and shit. Oh, no, I think it was supposed to be our Zari. I think she didn't have old person makeup, Ryan. I think she just didn't have the Instagram model makeup wow, on that asshole. current Zari has had. <laughs> okay, I'm going to try to keep going. Um, but she was still, she was a mature Zari. And yes. she wasn't like the teenage Instagram Zari. And she wasn't the um, dresses like a boy, eats donut Zari. It was like a mature version of that. Yeah, I think it's, it, it is supposed to be the donut eating version. She's just been in like this ancestors realm for a while once she got erased from the timeline and that like has realized like the importance of everything so she's mellowed out a bit i also got to say something about that family what's zari and berod's last name i don't know um sexual positive across the board um berod hears about zari having sex and he's like hey baby do what you gotta do which (laughs) i really appreciate from older brothers and then zari is jealous of zari 2.0 fucking nate Mm-hmm. that sucks why would you do that and she was like oh actually we haven't and then zari 1.0 was like oh you should do that you know like that whole family's just like hey he turns to steel <laughs> <laughs> everyone should just fuck everybody especially on that ship yeah it's a hot ship it sounds like there was a lot of great moments but i'm gonna ask you guys to lower it down to one mike what was your moment of the week uh the, the episode does open with zari waking up in nate's bed because apparently she slept walked there because her new old memories are coming back. But she wakes up screaming, so Nate starts screaming. And then he interrupts their screaming and goes, are you screaming because this is weird or because this is awesome? <laughs> <laughs> and I really like just taking the person's temperature directly. And do you remember the thing in Nate's room that convinced her that this was not her room? No. It was a very, very close close-up of a Bebo stuffed animal. Oh, yeah. Bebo. What a fantastic... Uh, Ryan, Bebo moment lives. of the week. My moment of the week is there's like a C plot line where Ava and Mick jump around uh, to all of his daughter's memories and take pictures of his daughter with Mick so that it could seem like they can trick the daughter into thinking that her dad was there for her entire life. And it doesn't work. And Ava, Ava's realization at the end of the episode of like, oh, that does sound fucking awful. Yes. Yeah. That's such a weird, creepy, crazy idea, Ava. It's working for so long that I was like, is he really not going to learn a lesson? <laughs> like, his lesson is you could just trick her. And then at the end, he says, no shortcuts. I was like, oh, good. This show is like, no, no. They need to do things the right way. But yeah, I think it was Ava that learned the lesson because that's yeah. fucked up, bro. <laughs> it's insane. It's insane. It's an insane show. It is on Tuesdays on The CW. And that was the last show for our pool list. But before we leave you, we're going to read some emails first. Coming up next.
you guys. As I said earlier, the fans are writing in. We've got our inboxes are just overloaded right now, so it's time we finally have to get to these emails. I'll just go dive right in. Our first email is addressed to Dear Lizzie, Gordo, and Miranda. Uh, it's official. There will be no Marvel movie in 2020. The first year without one since 2007. How are we? And that is from at Just Butt Farts. That I mean, that's the best email I've ever heard. Uh, I am learning that right now. So did Black Widow get pushed out of November? I think so, didn't it? I thought everybody oh. took other things, other dates. Well, it got pushed from May to November, but if it's pushed out even more, then yeah, that sucks. I don't, I don't know, I don't, I don't know what to do here. <laughs> what if? What about this? What if they didn't take an, a long enough break after all the Thanos Endgame. shit went down, and maybe this is actually perfect? And when it comes back, we're frothing. I think that is smart. Yeah, how big the last two have been. You do need, I think, breathing room and wanting it is good instead of too quickly like that's been the last spider-man's movie and ant-man's movies downfalls other than not being as good is uh it's like two months after the giant thing you're gonna do this just wait longer yeah is there a fear though that like people when they come back everybody's like marvel that's so 2018 and just not seeing the movies just don't care anymore no No i don't i can't see that happening i'm so glad to hear you guys say that I'm glad we could ease your fears on that. But yeah, it might end up being like a good thing for him. Like initially I want to say how we're doing is bad. I don't like that feeling, but it could be a good resurgent for him because it can start to feel like draining when you're just like, there's this Marvel movie and it's just like nonstop. It's good to have a little break. He's on, he's off. The other thing too is that we have other stuff to think about right now. So mm-hmm. back in the day when we, we, we could be in public, every day between a Marvel movie, I'd be like, what the fuck? There's no Marvel movie. I, there's other things to think about now. It's actually not dawned on me that how big yeah. the gap is, you know? Yeah. It'll hit. Go go for it. All right, you guys. Our next email is from Cassie is the best at MSN.com. Great email. This is not me. I just want to know this is a real fan, you guys. Sure. Subject line, what to do. With all the superhero movies shifting around, what film are you most sad to have to wait longer to see? I, I, I have to say that it's uh, Thor 4, more Thor. Uh, yeah. Taika Waititi is like, it, I think is the most bankable for me, you know, auteur in the MCU. They're all great. I love them all. Doesn't matter. And I'm including Chloe Zhao, director of the writer who directed the Eternals. And now I have to wait longer for that. Um, but I think waiting longer for Thor 4 is the worst. Especially because the stuff that's come out where Mark Ruffalo said him and Taika the whole time filming Ragnarok thought they were going to get fired from Marvel permanently because <laughs> like, it was so crazy. And YTT has now said he's like, oh, you thought Ragnarok was crazy. You have fucking no idea what I'm doing with the next movie. That's so daunting because like, during this quarantine, uh, he's been like live streaming and he writ- like wrote a whole fake script for like uh, one of the Marvel movies and he was putting it up on the screen and it was just like Tony and Tony and Peter embrace and it was just like I always knew you'd come back to me and it's just like kind of in the background where you see it like that is definitely like that would be the one that I'm bummed out the most to wait for because at one point at one point in that script Jerry Seinfeld fights the Ninja Turtles we're just like (laughs) (laughs) all right (laughs) all right you guys next email is addressed to dear Corey Sean and Topanga thanks to wait hold on hold up hold up Mike thinks Mike thinks he is the Sean. Is that true? I, it all depends on like this is has to do with family background for sure. So like, which one <laughs> of us comes from like a hippie family? Which one has a fucked up family? And which just has that good wholesome like white picket fence family? Oh shit! The, that determines which one we are. Ryan, have your parents ever grilled meat for you on a car radiator? No. 
All I'm, right, I, you're not Sean, baby. I've also never, I've also never lived in Riverside. I'm, I'm super scared that I'm the Corey here. Yeah, mm, yeah. Nobody wants to be the Corey. Oh, you know Even what? Corey's family didn't like Corey. <laughs> but I'll actually, I'll take Corey just to say, like, that would be the one instance where I can have a stable family. So I'm gonna say, I'm Corey. What's up, you guys? <laughs> oh. All right. So fine. Mike is the Sean Hunter, and then I'm the Topanga because you guys both want to bang, yeah. And that yeah, is super. That high. is me. <laughs> All right, you guys, their email. Thanks to Corona. Oh, I thought that was their email. <laughs> Just us figuring out who was who. <laughs> no, they got more bigger questions. Thanks to Corona, Animal Crossing has really started to take over the country. Also, there are many reports, news reports, about the rise of foot-tickling videos on YouTube and other YouTube sites like Pornhub. Please describe to me what your version of Animal Crossing foot-tickling video would be like and why. Oh, God. Okay, and that is from at Jello from my sham friends. <coughs> we gotta stop. We can't. We can't allow Twitter subscription. We can't allow it on the Twitter. We can't shut down the inbox on Twitter. What does and why mean? And why? And why? <laughs> and yeah, why are you the way you are? Like, wh- I, I, I don't understand the question. So, is it there's like what weird little fox do you want to see tickle feet? Uh, <laughs> I don't understand. These are two okay. I've never if, fucked with. If that's not the question, Mike, I think you just asked the question. What little fox would you like to see tickle feet? Uh, probably Gene Wilder from The Little Prince. Or the other question is, what little animal would you like to tickle the feet of so other people can jerk off? <laughs> probably a little um, fox. Probably a little fox. That's what it actually, if we are in the Animal Crossing world, it does come down to is what animal you want to see those toes on. And you, you can't you can have a human because when you're in the game, you're a villager. That's human feet. So you can go that route. Or there's all the other animals. You can get the ones with like little toe beans. There's koalas. There's hamsters. Or if you're a real freak, there's chickens. You could do any type of feet in the game. Okay. Like, I don't want to fetish shame. If you like tickling feet, that's fine. If you like tickling animals' feet, that feet, that's fine. If you like tickling chicken feet, what the fuck? I'm going to yeah. shame fetish. Those are the worst you feet. Better be doing some Santeria. You better have that crystal ball. Uh, I don't know why somebody would do it. I don't want to dig into that. I refuse to get into the mind of that. So I'm going to pass that one along. Our n- final email, you guys, is from Tim the Time Lord Taylor. Subject line, squeeze that spandex. I've been waiting a I've been watching a lot of dating shows to turn my brain off. What superheroes would you want to be on a dating show with? Oh, I think we did it in this episode. The so Dearborn. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> I was going to try and avoid that noise that you made earlier, and yet you've made it again. But we talked about the Legends of Tomorrow um, hotness just on the ship. Yeah. And then the new show, Too Hot to Handle. Like, what if they were told that they cannot fuck? And watching them just like quiver and shake about like not touching each other, I think would be awesome. Most of them didn't anyway, but now they want to so bad. That show is great. I did that in I think a night and a half. The whole thing. Yeah. It was is delightful. It really, is it honestly good? I mean, if you like trash, it's yeah. super trashy. I do. But it's also like the best part of it is it's watch these people who are cripplingly addicted to sex and try to pretend like it's not a really dark show. Yeah. And that is, that's, that's what the show is. It always seemed a little too dark for me. I was like, I don't know about this, man. Do you remember when Dr. Drew on VH1 had celeb rehab and Uh all these celebs really needed rehab and then he'd just look at the camera every once in a while and be like, crazy, right? Cuckoo. (laughs) Look at these freaks. While they're sobbing, (laughs) I just need help. Please help me. Anybody help me. I'm begging you. 
Uh, if I could do one dating show, I think I would like to do Love is Blind with all the superheroes because they all have, you know who is who. So I would just like to see them have to pretend like they don't know which character is which and be like, I don't even know what they're going to look like, but I'm going to choose you. So like watching Iris in a room be like, wait, hold on. Hold on. Is this Bane? And <laughs> no, no, it's someone else. <laughs> and can you see silhouettes on Love is Blind? Uh, you can't see silhouettes. It's oh, just, okay. yeah. I was hoping that. So you just see a quiver of arrows and you're like, wait, okay, which one is it? There are five of them. Or just like, if you're Killer Croc, just being like, I'm a very handsome, normal looking gentleman. Stop looking at my silhouette. <laughs> all right, you guys. Uh, that is all the time we have. That is all the emails. But if you want to send us some emails, you can. That is contact at your pop filter. Uh, Ryan, if the people want to reach out to us, what are some other ways they can? They can reach out to us by uh, using our social media. They can follow us. We are at Your Pop Filter on Twitter, and we are at Your Pop Filter on Instagram. And the easiest, best way, but it costs a little bit of money, but it's worth it, uh, patreon.com slash Your Pop Filter. You can reach out to us that way and appreciate us with dollar dollar bills, y'all. And just appreciate us. We're desperate for it. <laughs> Mike, uh, what are some websites that the people can appreciate? They should definitely appreciate yourpopfilter.com, where everything we do goes directly. If you want a one-stop shop, there it is. Uh, throw in a slash Amazon. You know what? Don't. We're going to stop that for a while. <laughs> we'll come back in July when it's cool to use them again. Yes. How about slash uh, Whole Foods? Is there like one that we can... No, that's not good. That's not that's bad? Not okay. Yeah. No, the Amazon owns them. Uh, so just yourpopfilter.com. It's great. Uh, and then Ryan did Patreon. So yeah, those, those are good emails. Those are some good good websites, good or emails. Websites. <laughs> Right. Uh, what are some other shows that we have on the network that everyone should be checking out? There are so many shows that you guys can listen to if you almost like this, but you want it to be different. Um, let me recommend Movie of the Year, where uh, we decide what is the best movie of any given year. Right now, we are doing 2019, and we are almost done. So tune in now, subscribe, rate, and review for that finale. Mike and I are discussing every single episode of the OC period on a show <laughs> called The OCD. Uh, where we talking about we talk about the seminal and underrated underrated Fox soap opera of the early aughts, the OC, and then Cassie and a couple of her henchmen are on a show called The Unnatural Twenties, where they go through what it's like to live in this world in your twenties using a D twenty. There's so many twenties, guys. So many twenties. Uh, subscribe and rate and review all of those shows. Ryan, I, I really appreciate the shout-out, but I did say only shows on the network, so I, I didn't want my show on here. Great. Oh, you- shit. I'm sorry. <laughs> she, she's trying to... She's like, that's the legit show. We don't want people to know these are connected. <laughs> no, definitely rate, review all the shows. It's all the same. Next week, I have a note here that we are watching Legends of Tomorrow. The Hell yeah! Fake-off. You guys, I, am, I couldn't be more excited. Just by a sentence, I could not be more excited for next week. I feel like you would have been more excited by last week, this week's title, which is Zari, not Zari. Um, <laughs> that's sort of your thing. But yeah. what, the Great British Fake Off, that's what it's called? Yep. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> Definitely check that out. Uh, that is it for this show. For Mike, I'm Ryan. For Ryan, I'm Mike. And for Cassie, I am Cassie. Bye, everyone. Bye.